Hi there, and welcome to Plant CEO. In today's episode, I'd like to welcome Louis Sihoyas, the Executive Director of Oceanic Preservation Society. Hey, Louis, how's it going? Really good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. It's a pleasure to have you on the show today. A pleasure to be here. And whereabouts are you zooming in from at the moment? Um, I'm in the Bay Area, a little town called Sausalito, just north of the Golden Gate Bridge. Very nice. So we've got a lot of things to talk about today. Let's start with Racing Extinction. It basically recently won the best green film of the decade. I mean, you must be really over the moon about that because I just watched it recently and I think it's amazing. Can you give a, a, a small sort of synopsis of, of what it is for the people who haven't seen it yet? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's really a film about, um, I guess, calling it to attention to the Anthropocene, the sixth mass extinction on the uh, on the planet, the one that we're going through right now. There's been five major extinctions in the history of the planet. We're going through one right now, and uh, it's really, you know, that's kind of like Act One. Act Two is, you know, and Three is like, what are the solutions? How do we, you know, address that? How do you take this existential crisis and actually? turn it into something that's you know potentially a positive you know that's and that's how we reframe it it's like okay we know that there's a lot of issues going on um but when you look at the solutions they're they're really upgrades you know to almost every you know part of your life um you know certainly what i think one that thing that we'll be talking about here is um you know when people say well what can i do you know i can't maybe i can't afford a you know, solar panels or an electric car or, you know, work is too far away to, you know, to, or it's not convenient to do to travel. But the one thing everybody can do is change what's on your plate. If you're not a vegan or a vegetarian, you know, the best way to change the world, change what's on your plate, because almost every major problem that we have, you know, climate change, um, freshwater pollution, you know, greenhouse gases, um, you know, habitat destruction, species extinction, all that's related to what we're eating. And people, you know, I see, I think you see in the film that you're starting to make that, we make that connection to people. And people say, well, I'm just one person. But, you know, one person that's a carnivore, it's about 10,000 animals in their lifetime. And so you're not just eating that, those animals, you're eating all the infrastructure that, you know, keeps them alive. All that land, you know, you have to put it like six times the amount of protein in that animal to get, you know, one sixth of the protein from the plants. It's like, a, it'd be like going to the bank and say, you know, um, here's a $20 bill, you know, and all you get back and exchange is like three bucks. You know, that's, that's, that's kind of what we're doing to the environment because our, our supply and demand economy, you know, when, when, when Adam Smith, the guy who wrote Wealth of Nations, he wrote it back in 1776 and came up with supply and demand. And that's been taught in every, school you know economics class for the last 250 years they didn't factor in externalities because they didn't back then adam smith couldn't imagine an ocean that would be depleted of fish he couldn't imagine that you know there'd be so much well you know uh, burning of fossil fuels that it would change the atmosphere the way it's the way it has you know we created this pollution blanket around the planet that's now not just affecting the oceans affecting 
uh, you know, the water systems of affecting the land, affecting what's in our body. You know, the, the millions of kids have asthma problems, all because of this pollution blanket from the fossil fuel industry. And part of that's because of our, our food system as well is very tied into that. And if we started to think about more efficient ways of delivering protein and moving around the planet without fossil fuels or minimizing it to a, a very little bit, it's, it's an upgrade for everybody. You know, when you adopt a whole foods plant-based diet, you know, you live about 10 to 12 years longer without chronic disease. How many parents do we have? Or maybe people listening, they have, you know, they're, they're pre-diabetic or diabetic, or they have uh, prostate cancer, or they have, you know, um, beginning signs of dementia. I'm working on a film right now. We'll stick with racing extinction, but I'm working on a film right now about a, a doctor here in Sausalito who's trying to reverse Alzheimer's with, you know, one of the, the pillars is a whole foods plant-based diet. And it's actually showing that it's working. And the, the early stage, only about 26 people have been through the cohorts, but uh, the early signs are showing that in about, I think it's 68% of the people with early stage Alzheimer's is actually reversing it. The, you know, there's been billions and billions and billions of dollars of drugs spent over the last several decades to try to figure out what's what's a drug that can reverse Alzheimer's. The best they can do is, I think it was Eli, um, just a couple of weeks ago, announced that they found a drug, and it'll be a billion-dollar drug that can only slow the the decay of a person's brain like by about six months. But a whole foods plant-based diet, along with other, you know, we can talk about it later, but the, the, the idea is that you put this right, the right fuel in the tank, you can actually re reverse a disease that's on track to become our most deadly and our most feared. You know, the worst thing you can do is lose your mind, right? When you lose your memory, you lose everything. Mm. And uh, the idea that it's so simple and so counterintuitive, because we've been taught that you know, you need animal products to be big and strong and have mental acuity and have virility. And in fact, it's just the reverse. So, um, you know, I, I would, you know, submit to anybody listening that, you know, the, 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 when you watch Racing Extinction, it's, you know, it's, a, it's reframing the argument from like, what, what do I have to give up to what do I gain? And what you gain is your life. You get your life back. You know, there's so many people, you can, re you can reverse about 80 to 85% of the chronic diseases that we have by diet and exercise, you know, and, but we have this, this, this feeling that, you know, you need drugs and technology to, to fix a problem that's really just, a, you know, the wrong fuel in the tank. Yeah, I've, I've also been speaking to some, some doctors who, who focus on uh, whole food plant-based diets. And they, they are also agreeing with your analogy on that because uh, as well as Alzheimer's, uh, they, they're saying that, but also type two diabetes, heart disease um, is all reversible uh, if you do it in the right way with a balanced lifestyle. So completely in agreement with you on that. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the, the, um, I've been um, following the work of Dr. Dean Ornish in Sausalito here. And it's, you know, his four pillars are whole foods, plant-based diet, exercise, um, uh, social support so that people get together and social support and relaxation, you know, reducing your cortisol levels, a lot of stress to, you know, in our lives. And if we can, you know, meditate, slow down, have quiet time, um, that's, that's his four pillars.
Yeah, and I would add sleep to that. I mean, knowing what I heard from other people that, you know, uh, your your risk of dement any kind of dementia goes up um, by uh, many factors if you have less than six hours of sleep. Yeah, it's also taking the learnings of these uh, longevity diets and the blue zones, right, of, of where people have been brought up is the, with with the communities aspects that they're in, but predominantly also the diet being mostly vegetables. Yeah, 90, Dan Butner, the guy who was the National Geographic fellow who popularized the, the blue zone diet is a, a friend of mine, I talked to him last week. Um, yeah, and he just he just uh, basically sold his company to um, Adventus, which is a, a I, I guess it's an insurance company, right? The health insurance company. But it's you know the there's five like you said there's five known blue zones, right? Places where people live the longest without chronic disease. Ninety five percent of their calories come from a whole food plant based diet. But the the interesting the only one the only blue zone that's in America is in Loma Linda. And I spent a week down in Loma Linda, and this is where they have it's seven day Adventist, so Adventist healthcare. Okay. <laughs> uh, they they uh, uh, about nine thousand out of the twenty four thousand people that are that are that live there are Adventists, and their diet um, is essentially a whole food a whole foods plant based diet. There's some people that are on the fringes, of course, but generally, you, like you go to the equivalent of a whole foods down there. And um, well, I, hopefully you don't have Whole Foods where you are. But you we know, do, you go, we do actually. You go, yeah, we do, yeah. Okay, yeah. well, okay, yeah. well, you go to the equivalent of a Whole Foods, like a nice, their high-end market. There, they don't even have a meat counter. You can't get it. They don't sell it. You know, That's they have, crazy. they have milk, but it's all it's nut milks, and the cow's milk is on the lower shelf. You know, it, it's all kind of re reversed. And, but they do it because of religious reasons. You know, they take the Bible literally in Genesis where, you know, God was supposed to say, you know, let, let, the, uh, let the fruit of thy tree be thy meat. And they take that literally. And so what's interesting is you go to church there, and I've been to church there, and um, you see like 90-year-olds skipping to church hand in hand, like a couple. You see, uh, there's 300 people that are 80 years or older at the gymnasium, and these aren't just like little, you know, strutting yeah. around like little hands. The, one, one guy in his 70s is on the parallel bar, spinning around like, uh, like I could never do ever, even in my, <laughs> even in my prime. Um, you know, it, it's you, you go to the parks, and there's people doing group exercise. There's, you know, it's part of that community support thing, but it's a very healthy community. And it's, um, you know, that, that social, you know, again, there's the idea of societies being together when you, you're healthy with other people, it really helps. But then to see this, like the, the physical expression of a whole community uh, living this lifestyle, it's really, really exciting because you don't see that in most other you know, cities in the world. It's like a special community. Now, here's the, the fascinating thing. I call it like the tale of two cities. I'm, I'm actually you know, covering this for a film I'm working on. But if you, if you, um, Loma Linda is on the south side of Interstate 10. It's the big, a big highway that goes from east to west all across America. But on, on the, the south side of, of Interstate 10 is Loma Linda. On the north side is another community called San Bernardino. So on the south side, you have one of the healthiest communities in the entire world right and on the other on the other side is one of the unhealthiest populations in the state of california wow. and and 
San Bernardino is where they had the first McDonald's. You know, if you want to get fast food, you have to go over there. Now, this is the cool thing. There's a, a, a Dean and Aisha Shurzai. They're two researchers that um, were interested in the, the lifestyle, and they wanted to open up. They they opened up a brain health clinic at the at the hospital there. There's a, a world class hospital um, at Loma Linda University, and so they opened a brain a brain health and Alzheimer's clinic. And 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 uh, uh, Loma Linda, nobody came. <laughs> they had to go over and recruit people from neighboring communities like like San Bernardino. And now, out of the five thousand people that they've had come come through the clinic so far in the last five years, only thirteen of them have been vegetarians. Wow! You know, so so you know, when you think about it, like yeah. you know, less than half of the population is 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 vegetarian. But so you would expect. Like, you know, you know, half the people almost to be vegetarians, but they don't, it's almost impossible to find them there. So listen, and I don't know if you have a 20 or a 30 year old on the call, you know, they probably think, well, you're going to live forever. Brain health, that's something my grandfather had. But one out of three people in the world are going to be, because Alzheimer's is on the rise because of the unhealthy living and diets that we have. So one, you know, one out of three people on this call, and assuming that they're not all vegans, um, let's just say one, one third of the population in, in around the world is going to be affected by Alzheimer's, meaning you're either going to get it yourself, your mate's going to get it, or you're going to be taking care of a parent that has it. And it'll be devastating to your, your, um, to your own personal economy because yeah. it, it's, a, it's a disease that c- kills your parents or yourself slowly over you know, 10, 12, 15 years. And it's emotionally, I've been hanging around these families, many families that have it. It's devastating to the family. It's devastating to your, your mate. It's emotionally draining, financially draining uh, to the whole economy. It's draining. So yeah. it's, it's, it's not also, just like, a, sorry. And also just, just imagine the impact that's going to have in the future if it continues this way to the health systems right across the world. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you brought that up it's, and because I, f- I feel like the more people that know about this, that there's a solution, you know, that you actually have more energy, you can get all the protein and more that you need from plants, um, you know, and, you know, we're probably getting ahead of ourselves, but we did a film called The Game Changers, which is on Netflix now, and that's about, you know, plant-based super athletes, and we used, a, you know, super athletes because, you know, a lot of the data showed that men were the the obstacle to a plant-based diet because they're taught that and you know brought up and marketed to that you need to eat meat to be you know manly you know to have endurance and strength and virility when it's fact is just the opposite one of the things we do in the film is we <laughs> it's not a you know a, a, a scientific study with a great population we only used a few uh you know collegiate athletes but these are really healthy people with their, you know, their cardiovascular system is, you know, their top athletes. And we, just, and we sent them off to, we, we, we gave them a, a meat-based meal. And there's a device that you can put on your, your leg. It's basically a computer that measures nocturnal erection. And so it, it has these, these, you know, uh, uh, basically a, a, a ring that goes around the, the base of your penis yeah. and one at the top. And it measures nocturnal erections. Every guy, a normal, healthy, functioning guy, this, this is like wet dreams. It's just your body getting blood to an important organ. And so the, the guys strapped this on after a meat-based meal, went to sleep, 
And the difference, I, I can't remember the, I think it was like a 10.4% bigger, harder erection than, uh, than um, the meat, the same people with the meat, uh, the meat meal. And then uh, this is the, the clincher, it was a 350% longer duration erection. And, you know, I've been to, you know, I just can't, that, that scene is just so funny to me because yeah. so like to watch the expressions, you know, yeah. it's kind of embarrassing I, to talk about. I actually went to the uh, the premiere uh, of the film in London and uh, there was definitely a few giggles in the audience uh, in that in that scene. Um, but yeah, since, you know, uh, I've met uh, Nimai, Delgado and Patrick and, and Dotsy, by the way, is coming on the show soon. Uh, uh, this month actually so uh, amazing athletes oh yeah and i i love those those people you're talking about dmi is amazing never had yeah. a, a bit of meat in his, in his entire life and he and, looks like yeah he looks captain, like, like captain america i mean he's just yeah, a yeah. physical specimen and you yeah. think well you know how agile can a big a guy like that be but he has like a vertical jump of like you know like five and a half feet you know wow. he can go from from like you know the ground to like you know almost two meters up on, on one hop he's That's, like a like yeah. a gazelle you know and yeah. he's like he's a uh, i mean he's, he's such yeah. a sweet guy too and, yeah and, i was gonna, and, I was gonna I, say actually he's 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 very humble uh as uh, in terms of like his physique and, and the way he goes about himself he seems very level-headed uh yeah and i yeah he yeah he's a really great guy from from my meeting with him as well yeah, and Dotsy, you know, almost 40 years old when she gets a, a silver medal in the Olympics. I mean, that's like, yeah, you know, she's amazing. That's like 20 year olds, they're teenagers, right? And she's yeah, like yeah. kicking their yeah. butt. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, keeping with this, the game changers for, for a moment, um, you know, that, that, that film had a huge impact, like you say. Um, and huge success, huge noise, uh, and James, uh, who I've also been in touch with, so he's he's uh, he's come on the Joe Rogan show. He's defended the film very well. I think it's it's great that he was able to do that against some of the counter arguments of the film. But typically, what are the sort of common questions that you're getting from from the film? You know, I haven't heard you know, much or any negative flack, you know, I, I saw the Joe Rogan episode, I was on Joe Rogan, we we didn't talk about the game changers, we, we talked about other things. Um, uh, by the way, I love Joe Rogan, you know, one of the best interviewers I've been with, I, I, I love him, but um, I, I heard that he just took down the, the, the episode with James. And I, I don't know why, you know, somebody just pointed out last night, it's me from Australia, and it's like, I've got so much on my plate, I'm not going to, like, get into that fray. But, um, you know, a lot of people are, you know, what's, what's interesting is that the film came out in the first 30 days of that film was on Netflix, The Game Changers, searches for a plant-based diet went up 350% worldwide. Right. And uh, I think that was October of the last year like so whatever yeah. it was a year and a, a bit ago year and yeah a so half. by the way let's not forget that impact that has to the whole industry right uh, with those searches going up what happens to the the plant-based industry with the food food companies yeah it's massive, yeah. I mean, it's massive. a lot of my a lot of my friends are involved in the that that business you know the you know the, how, how do we market to the people that want to live healthier and longer and you know have you know 
more virility and strength. And they said they had to add, you know, new lines onto their, their factories after the film came out, like their, their business spiked. And then of course, about three months later, we got hit by COVID. And so that, you know, let's say with the, like Impossible Foods, who does the Impossible Burger or um, uh, Beyond Burger, you know, they were doing a lot of restaurant meals and then that just crashed. So then they had a pivot to do to grocery stores, which they've done, you know, they've done very, very well. Yeah. Um, but they they told me, you know, both uh, from heard from Ethan Brown and Pat Brown is a is a friend who's the founder of Impossible. Amazing man. I mean, uh, just a little bit of digression. So here you have a guy. He's a, a Stanford professor um, working with teams like uh, on, you know biomedical teams trying to one of his the, the you know the um, the problems he was solving or did solve uh, and got awards for was uh, how some cancers uh, infect other cells. So this is the level that he's doing. He's like, you know, like cancer research at the top level. He, he takes an 18 month sabbatical, like in middle age and tries to figure out what can, what can I do more with my life to have more impact? Mm. Because he realized that as long as people are eating this way, it's going to be, you know, not only crashing the biosphere, but, you know, still affecting people. So what's the, you know, so he, uh, after 18 months, he figured out the, the, the most important thing that he can do with his life is figure out how do you get plants to taste like meat? Because, you know, until you, you solve that issue, people are going to still continue to get sick. So that's why he started Impossible. And, you know, it's such a, an amazing story, you know, that you have this high level functioning human that even tries to even up, up his own game. And then he's, you know, obviously the, the, the business is doing extremely well. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that we're, this is one of those solutions, right? I mean, if, if people are going to eat meat, here's this alternative. And I've got friends that are working in cellular agriculture now, like, you know, you can, um, well, for, you know, first of all, like, you know, Pat says, you know, he's such an incredible person, but he says that, you know, the cow's not get, you know, tasting any better. And we're improving our, our flavor profile every week, you know, and they can make it cheaper. They can put, um, you know, they're, they're now, uh, you know, they don't have, you don't have to raise a whole cow to get a, you know, to get meat. You can have plant-based meat that tastes better and is healthier for you. It's healthier for the environment. It's a win for every, everybody, your personal health, the animals and the environment. And it's, you know, the, the, the trick is to get it a little bit cheaper. And once the, the people are finding out that once that you're on parity for the, you know, the, uh, let's call it the real animal, whatever that is, you know, the, that, you know, people also want is just a little bit, taste a little bit better and be a little bit cheaper. And that's the, the tipping point, you know, and, and we're at that point right now where, you know, they can make it cheaper, not maybe not with cellular agriculture, but it's gonna, it'll be close once they get it to scale. You know, I, I think oh, there's so many great things, great stories. Uh, last week, Eleven Madison, a very famous restaurant. In, That's right. Yeah. York, they decided, you know, that their their whole me uh, menu is plant based now. Um, you know, it's huge. It's huge. So, you know, people are, you know, we're we're starting to see that hockey stick curve of, you know, it used to be like, you know, oh, look at, you know, carbon dioxide, look at, you know, all these problems, hockey stick. Now the, on the good side, the solution side, we're starting to see those issues. You know, when we did Racing Extinction, one of the, one of the things we did in that film is we wanted to show that 
electric cars. This is, remember, this is like 2011, 2012, when we were making that film. And we wanted to show that, you know, electric cars were coming. Hi, this is Leilani Munter from Racing Extinction. We wanted to share with you some extra footage from our trip to the Tesla factory that you didn't see in the film, as well as some bonus footage from the day that we picked up the Model S that would eventually become our mobile projection vehicle. Enjoy. Where, where Iron Man lives. Yeah. <laughs> the real life Iron Man? I mean, how much do we tell him about what we want to do to his car? That's what. I think we tell him all of it. Sure. He's Elon Musk. <laughs> it's not like the world needs another car company, but the world does need electric cars. And if the big car companies aren't going to do it, well, somebody's got to do it. And like, I wish I didn't have to do it. So look at this way, if, if Tesla doesn't succeed, the conclusion of the car industry is gonna be that electric cars are total failure. Oh, this is a fun car, Elon. <laughs> so this is basically NASCAR, you guys. We go in circles like this. <laughs> what was really important with the Model S was to create a, an electric car that was better than any gasoline car to get rid of the misconceptions that people had around electric cars. This is like an electric race car. I mean, an automobile magazine put it up against an M5 and it won. Do you look at your, the world through the eyes of the future, looking back and say, well, we're, we're, like, we're nuts right now, we're insane? I think we are uh, currently doing something very, very dumb, which is to run this experiment on how much CO2 the ocean's atmosphere can hold. And to the degree that we exceed that capacity, will do tremendous damage to the environment. Tautologically, there has to be some sort of sustainable means of transport in the future. I think we want to put in an order for a car today. <laughs> Excellent, actually. we'll take one. <laughs> uh, by the way, so speaking at you because you're pressing both pedals, because that's like, that's that a is a race car, car It is a race car driver thing, thing. yeah, exactly. We do left braking. <laughs> So, um, is there a way for me to override that so that when I buy one, it's not beeping at me all the time? Um. We took a Model S and we turned it into a, like a Bond car. You know, it was, it was the first car in the world to have an electroluminescent paint job. We could change the color with the, of the car with a flick of a button. We had a FLIR camera that came out of the front of it's a FLIR camera, it's a forward looking infrared camera. So it could see the invisible world of greenhouse gases like CO2 and methane. Then we had out of the back end, we had a, a a projector, a 20,000 lumen projector on a robotic arm. So we could sh show those images of the carbon dioxide in real time. And we could project them onto skyscrapers or mountains. The mobile projection vehicle has almost become like this living, breathing thing. I want people to, to look at this vehicle and think, well, how is that being done? Now, how is that possible? We knew we wanted to make a mobile projection vehicle, but no one had ever done that to a Tesla. We started off by adding a 15,000 lumen video projector that's mounted on a robotic arm that deploys up out of the back of the car.
there's a electroluminescent paint job, which is the first of its kind. So the paint actually emits light. So we can do different patterns. Uh, one of the main patterns is to represent the pattern on a bioluminescent fish in the ocean. And then in the front of the car, we installed in the frunk a thermal imaging camera that pops up out of the front and has a special filter on it that allows you to see carbon dioxide emissions. So that's legal. You have to step that's it legal? Off just until you push that. <laughs> <laughs> that hurts, right? That's legal. I love this car as much as I love any of my race cars. I feel like I'm driving the future around. And to get to drive that really, really cool Model S Tesla that is unlike any other on the planet, it's so amazing. By bringing nature to the city, we're hopefully able to inspire people to actually help save these creatures. So we were interviewing Elon for that, for the film. And it was, I remember it was October and he, you know, wrote back and said, Hey, can we change the interview till till the next quarter and i said yeah why and he said well i could go bankrupt and you know so now he look look what he's done you know this is you know that's the also the beginning of that hockey skip curve he made a better car you know the 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 woman that drove the car that car our getaway car in that movie she was, uh, you know, she she was a race car driver, that, you know, Lalani Munter, you know, so she's used to driving, you know, fancy cars at 200 miles an hour, quite literally, like at, you know, racetracks in America, like Daytona and Talladega. And we, we pulled that car off the lot before we had it modified. And she turned to me and said, every other car on the road just became a relic. Yeah. And now, but now you look at, you know, Elon's now the you know, second or third richest guy in the world. He's, and he's motivated all the other major car companies to, you know, introduce or get rid of their internal combustion engines. So, I mean, the world's changes in these like 10 year increments. And, you know, when people say, oh, well, there's not enough vegans, it's like, just wait, just wait. You know, the, the, these technological revolutions or these, um, you know, these social changes, major social changes. And, you know, some of they, they only take some of them 10 years, you know, that's about like, you know, 12, 13 years ago, 2007, we were, you know, typing the, you know, hitting the number key, two keys, six times on our flip phones to text a capital C. <laughs> and, you know, there's a famous picture taken uh, in New York uh, on a building on a rooftop from Broadway, looking down at the Easter parade. Uh, on on uh, on Fifth Avenue, and it's it's all horses, except for one car. Nineteen hundred Easter Parade, New York City. Thirteen years later, it's just the opposite. Is find the horse, and people say, "Oh, well, you know, look at the cars are such a problem." But remember, horses. You know, there was twenty thousand tons of manure going on the streets every day. You were dragging the manure into your business, your house, your school. There's flies. I had a a great grandmother that lived in New York at that time, and she said it was, you know, it's New York stunk. You know, it was just full of horses and all the crap and manure and you know, you know, you know, twenty thousand, uh, you know, uh, tons of of urine going out in the street every day too. I mean, it's just a you could smell New York City from six miles away, the, the sailors said when they came into the city. 
So it's a much different world. So the, these 10 year increments, you yeah. know, I think we're, we're at that point. I think in, in another, you know, 15, 20 years to, to get a burger from a cow might be like, you know, okay, you can go around back with the smokers, maybe, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's going to be very that. different. Yeah. And I, I think even if you look at in, in this 10 year period, in this, in this last decade, there's been $6 billion um, worth of um, investment going to these plant based companies. So, you know, and, and more will come and we'll start to see um, financial institutions, um, you know, pension funds. Um, because a lot of the big funds are being scrutinized because they're not doing enough around sustainability. So this change will start to happen faster, I see. Yeah. I think our films are all designed to sort of accelerate that change. That's what we're about. You know, our organization, I, I tell the, you know, the, the, the crew when we're making, you know, I said, we're not making movies. We're trying to start movements or jumpstart the movements. You know, that's how I look at it is we're just putting jumper cables on a, yeah. on a, on something that needs a little bit more life into it. Yeah. And did you ever uh, take the car back to Elon Musk? Because, you know, the car is amazing with all, you know, the gadgets, the James Bond gadgets, if you like on it, did, did he ever see it or did he see a video of it or did you hear back from what he thought as, as what you've done with it? Yeah, I, I'm not, I'm actually not sure if I'm allowed to talk about it. Um, I don't know, we might, we might have a, a, a non-disclosure um, about it, but um, let's say, let's just say the car has been modified <laughs> since, <laughs> since we got it. Uh, you know, well, I can say this, you know, um, you know, the, the we had some really smart people working on the car. I mean, the car was just full of tech. We had to take out the whole back, you know, like the, the headliners, the stuff that made it like a luxury car. We had to like dismantle it. We had all this electronics in the back and, and Elon, you know, had his way with it. And uh, he, so I went to, I went to his house a few months ago and he, uh, he had the, 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 the back seat was back in. We had a, like the, there's like a tech person that sat on a boat cushion with a seat belt, you know, that's, that's how we, that's, you did that sort of squeezed in and the, the seats are back in the headliners back in and all electronics are in a, like a cup now, <laughs> the, the, the cup holders. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Because, so. And if you look at his, you know, the new sports car that he's releasing soon, you know, he has spoken about, putting the SpaceX package, which is basically having the rockets on the back of this thing that is already insanely fast. Um, <laughs> so like, I can't, you know, he, and he's a big fan of James Bond, right? You know, when, when he's got the, and so am I, by the way. Uh, and, you know, with the, with the sort of Easter eggs that you have with the, um, the Lotus car uh, that goes oh. under the water. So yeah, I could see him adding a lot more other things to, to, to that. Yeah, no, he's a, he's a brilliant guy. I mean, he's he's incredible, and he's you know he's definitely you know jump started that whole industry. And yeah. you know, people, you know, people, I think he he you know he doesn't get a fair shake, you know, because let's listen. I think people are whenever you do something that's radical, whenever you're changing the world as dramatically as he has, you're going to get a lot of trolls. And he's got his, and I think his unfair share of that, you know, because there's people betting against him, you know, the shorts are, he's the most shorted, Tesla was the most shorted 
you know, company on the on the stock exchange for years. And now I think all those shorts have gone away. They've all like lost their shorts, you know, betting against them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's he's relentless. I spent I spent years in the automobile industry. I, I used to work for the business magazines when I lived in New York and I'd fly out to Detroit. And I, I knew, you know, for about a 10 year period, 15 year period of time, I was hanging out with the you know, the, the Lee Iacocas, the, um, you know, Roger Smith from the, C- the CEO of General Motors. I knew these people and they weren't very innovative at all. They were horrible. They didn't even drive their own cars. They didn't know how crappy they were. I remember I was, um, and we're, I know we're getting off on a little bit of a tangent here, but it sort of gives you an insight of the way this is kind of a, a you know, it, you know, look at the metaphors of the meat industry as I'm talking here. Like uh, you go up to um, you know, Roger Smith's house. And I was like, I would never like, you know, when I rented a car, I, I, I rent an American vehicle. And back then, this is the early eighties. They were horrible. You, you know, the, the rental car, there'd be, you know, pieces would be broken off. There would be like, you know, it was just a few thousand miles and they're falling apart. And then the Japanese at that point were eating our lunch and, you know, and so I, and I, so I, whenever I got to rent a car, I would get a Japanese car and you know to try it out because i was trying to i was thinking which car could i buy i pulled up in a japanese car to roger smith's house thinking you know, and i didn't even think of like oh i should get a general mode i wasn't pandering to him but like they were those pr people were horrified <laughs> and then you know i know it's a tangent but i remember um uh, uh ross perot a famous american um you know was he they general motors had just bought uh, EDS, his company, and Ross Perot is from the, the South, and he goes to me, he says, and he's, he's like, he just made like, you know, $4 billion off the sale or something crazy, yeah. and, he, and he's now on the board, and he's, but he speaks his mind, he says like, he's, you know, he says, Roger doesn't even know how horrible his cars are, you, you ever ride with him? And I said, yeah, he says, you ever see him drive his own cars? No. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, because, it, you know, something breaks, and you got you know, a whole you know, cadre of mechanics are going to fix it. So these, the people at the top don't even know how bad their own companies are because they're the, the, the echo chamber within their own system doesn't allow them to see how crappy their vehicles are. I think the same thing kind of goes on with the food industry where people, you know, you have like, you know, chefs that are brought up, you know, cooking meat and, you know, they, they, they don't hear the chatter or they maybe they think that we're like, you know, the, the radical left. But they don't understand that there's a, you know, this chatter is, you know, the humming of a tidal wave coming to take over the world, you know, in a, in a most positive way. You know, there's people that are looking for um, a better source of protein, a cleaner source of protein, but that's better for the environment. It's better for, you know, the animals It's better for the environment. And if they don't hear that message, they're going to get steamrolled. You know, yeah. it's, it's just like General Motors did, you know, they, and now they're, they're playing catch up. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, they, they, you know, General Motors had the EV. I photographed the first one that came off the line. You know, whenever that was in the in the in the eight nineteen eighties, they had the, they had a sense that there was something back, but there was they were too ingrained with the old model. And I tell you, the world is changing very rapidly yeah. right now. And and they killed that project. Quite, by the way, I'm a big uh, you know automobile guy as well, and um, so happy to talk to you about cars. Um, I used to actually have a kit car, believe it or not, which was a, a fiberglass car that was had a donut oh. engine and all this. So yeah, I had a lot of fun uh, when growing up. 
but yeah, back to GM. I think yeah, they they were the first ones to have the the uh, EV1. EVR and EV1, right? And they and they killed that project off. And I, I'm I don't know if it was pressure from like the fossil fuel companies that made them kill it off. And there was a documentary after that, wasn't there? But there but now they're definitely car. all in. Who killed the electric car? Chris Payne. And and one of the cars that were was in that documentary uh, was. Um, I had a Toyota RAV fully electric car. This is a 2002 Toyota RAV. I had, you know, probably one of three electric cars in the state of Colorado where I was living at that time. And I was powering it with 120 solar panels off my roof. And I went from having a, because I was running my organization, the Oceanic Preservation Society, out of the, you know, my backyard studio in my home. I had about a, you know, a dozen people working for me, but I had like, you know, servers and, you know, uh, probably a dozen computers and it was costing about a thousand dollars a month for electricity and i went from a thousand dollar electric bill to getting a check from the electric company because i was overproducing of about depending on the month between 200 and 600 dollars and this is you know back in 2007 i i thought i had discovered that like I couldn't believe like how the, the, a, you know, the car was, had a pickup. It had a pretty good range for that time. You know, 2002 car, it had about 120 mile uh, range. It was, it was like the EV1, but it was but with Toyota. All the, the manufacturer, the, if you're going to sell a car in Colorado at that time, uh, I think 1% of the cars that they, that they produced were supposed to be um, zero emission vehicles oh, okay. and so this, this was uh, like all the major companies had to create vehicles and then the, a new a new uh i think it was reagan came in and destroyed it i might be wrong on that but it but it uh but the, but the, the government changed and so that they all stopped their electric car market but there's only about 1500 of them that were imported into the united states and i had one of them right. and um but the license plate on my car said v u s it stood for vehicle using sun it was the opposite of an suv oh yeah nice <laughs> very good maybe that should be a new uh, term that's coined going forward going back to racing extinction and some of the moments that basically resonated with me quite a lot there was quite a few but one of the ones was the scene where you had the, the shark that was trying to swim, but it had its fins cut off. And you subsequently then exposed during the undercover operation, the finning operation in Hong Kong, basically really shocking to see that amount of fins just in one warehouse. Um, can you talk a bit more about that? Yeah, I mean... Um... Well, first of all, it was Sean Heinrichs that shot the underwater stuff of the the, the shark yeah. that was finned, and we were with him in, in Hong Kong. We were we were actually on the way. We were going to be going to, I believe, it was Taiwan to photograph a shark finning operation that we knew about, and then uh, Paul Hilton, another activist that was with us at the time, a partner of, of Sean, you know, had come back and he had just got gotten up on the roof and. Uh, he showed me some little thumbnails of what he had done. I thought, oh, my God, we don't have to go to Taiwan. Let's just go down the street. So that's how that sort of evolved. And then in the film, we did a, I mean, Paul, the crazy individual, you know, photographer, activist, worked for Greenpeace. And, you know, he wanted us to go to this, this uh, a town in China. I forget the name of it. But he wanted us to me to pose as a as a shark oil dealer because they were killing yeah. uh, endangered sharks there, and there was I think seven illegal um, shark finning operations. Not just finning; it was at whale oil, and they were selling literally 
hundreds of thousands of pounds of illegal, you know, endangered sharks, and I was posing as a as a buyer. That was scary because, like, you know, you just don't know who these people are, and you're you're not in a big town. If, if so, you, you've you've lost all your kind of infrastructure. You know, there's somebody from the embassy that might be able to help you. Um, that was scary, mm. um, but you know, the the, the crew. I mean, some of the stuff now, I, I don't know if I would have the the guts to do what we did back then, like when we did a you know that film and a, a film called The Cove. You know, that's like you couldn't. I don't think you could, you can you know, so you can get into anywhere if you want to, but The Cove is you know when we went there, there was a lot of police, but we had their timing worked out uh, of how long it took to get from the police station to the Cove. We had escape routes you know mapped out. Now they have it's like an army there you know, like, you know, 80, 90 police from local police, provincial police, government, you know, federal police, you know, the Navy. It's like a, they've surrounded that place like, a, you know, Fort Knox right now. Yeah, and it was amazing how inventive you were with creating those cameras uh, for the cove, you know, <laughs> in the rocks. And yeah, I think brilliant. Rolling Stone magazine said it's, uh, you know, the, the cove is a cross between Born Identity and Flipper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, something else that was in, in the cove was, you know, the, the parts around the high level of uh, mercury, um, that is uh, absorbed by by the dolphins, and you know that fraudulent activity of selling that off as more expensive fish. Um, but it's it's particularly an issue high levels of mercury, especially for pregnant women. And I think a lot of pregnant women obviously wouldn't be having seafood. It's one of the recommendations. But in general, we're seeing a lot more people consuming fish, right? Uh, and uh, we also seeing that. The, the fish are consuming plastics, microplastics. Uh, you don't, the fish actually don't produce the omega oils themselves. They're getting it from, you know, the plants in the sea. Um, so what's your feeling about that? You know, more on the health side, I, I would say. Well, I mean, you know, there's a couple issues you brought up. I'll just bring up one, one at a time. You know, for, first of all, I think that, you know, films can be the most powerful weapon we have to create social change. Uh, when we did that movie, the, the quota for dolphins and porpoises were about 23,000 a year. So 23,000 dolphins and porpoises being served up, a lot of them to the school systems. So even though they have anywhere from five to 5,000 times more mercury than allowed by Japanese law, if it was a fish. Of course, the loophole is these are mammals. And um, yeah, you can go to the Japanese, you know, the Japanese Ministry of Health website and see the recommendations for how much um, you know, dolphin meat a, a pregnant woman should eat, and it's poison, it's toxic. It's like saying, you know, how many cigarettes should you, you know, smoke, or how many drinks of, um, how many, you know, gallons of alcohol should you drink a month if you're having, if you're pregnant? It's like it's it's absurd, it's insane. And but first of all, that stopped because of the film and the activism around it. They're no longer serving toxic dolphin meat. To, to, to school kids actually force feeding them because you have to eat everything on your plate in Japan you can't you know it's not like I don't know the UK or the US but you know you just you eat what you want to and you could even in Japan you can't even bring your own lunch you had to eat you they, you, they force fed you to eat the doll the toxic dolphin meat there that's no longer happening and 
I think the last time that I saw a stat for how many dolphins they killed, it was, it's been a reduction of about 93% since that film came out. So films are changing the world to answer your question. And about the microplastics, uh, obviously another big issue, um, plastics are a huge issue. The last two times I went sailing, I never even jumped in the water. You know, I was off the coast of Italy, one of the most, you know, Positano, one of the most beautiful coastlines, the Amalfi Coast. And, you know, I'd be at the edge and I'd just be looking at plastic garbage in three dimensions and floating through from probably the Naples River. And I never hopped in the water. I was there for like a couple of days. And we, we sailed off to the south of France. Same thing. So, you know, and this is what you can see now microplastics that you, what you brought up are another issues. And this is, you know, again, this goes to this pollution blanket of the fossil fuel industry. Not only is it hurting the atmosphere, not only is it, you know, plastics, you know, in the next few decades is going to outweigh the weight of fish in the oceans, plastic will. But we're doing a film right now on plastic pollution solutions. And and this is all very new data. They're, they're finding out in the last couple of months of, of papers have, have come out. And scientists used to think that plastic has never crossed the blood brain barrier, but now they just didn't have the tools to measure it. Now they do. And they're finding out that people with, um, you know, that have people, people with ADHD, dementias like Lewy body's disease or Alzheimer's, they have about four times more plastic in their body than, uh, the rest of the population. So there's a, there seems to be a correlation between plastics, you know, which is an offshoot of, of the fossil fuel industry, and um, and and your your personal health. So and and here's another thing. Um, and I, I want to get the stats right, but you know, you you have identical genetically identical mice that are given the same diet. And the same exposed the same amount of exercise, but one of the mice has um, is exposed to microplastics. It's about seventy six percent fatter than the other mouse, with with everything being equal. And now, so it's called an obesogen. Uh, plastics affect the genetics, your your own genetics, and it triggers on these, you know, I, I guess these systems that, you know, that make your fat cells permanent. And not only does it change the 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 fat cells of that individual mice for that generation, it affects four generations down. So it not only affects you, it affects your children four generations from now. Wow. So that's, you know, the, the idea that this is all new da data. It's not real. Um, well, the one on the mice is probably a few years old, but the one about the blood brain barriers is within the last several months. Yeah. And uh, do, you, do you have any comments about the Omega oils as well? You know, people, you know, consuming that for their, for their joint health. And obviously you don't need that coming from fish. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've tried some, uh, I've tried some alternatives from, um, you know, you can basically, you can incubate or do in a bioreactor, you can make algae, you can make animal cells without destroying the animal, without, you know, without the middleman, essentially. <laughs> You yeah. take the you can take the cell the feather of a chicken like a um, a jungle fowl which is the original animal that the chicken was from it'll, it'll taste better and you can use that and put it in a bioreactor and, and make a chicken breast uh, they're doing that now it's in Singapore a company called Just is doing it and they're the first company in the world to have the um, the permits the regulations in, in place so that you can actually go to a restaurant now and buy um, you know, 
yeah yeah for sure um and um can you talk now a little bit about the new food series that you're you're working on yeah i'm about to sign up with netflix it's a four-part series on food sort of taking off from you know it, it won't be like the game changers where we use you know professional athletes like Dotsy Bausch it'll be you know we, we did that film and people say oh well I, I didn't you know I I didn't become vegan because I'm not an athlete now if you're really watching closely on the film and not even that closely you know James Wilkes's father in that film has a heart attack and because he, yeah. he's, he's eating the old way with a lot of animal products and he got him on it James got his dad on a whole foods plant-based diet and it starts to reverse it and that's kind of the story that's kind of that pivot that we couldn't plan on right but that's you know when then that makes us go down another route where we we give a uh, the diet a whole foods plant-based diet um to 30 firefighters and we you know we take their or just for seven days you know so 21 meals for each person for you know and you give them the meal you get you know yeah ask them to exercise but they're really not changing anything uh, except their diet and um i think the average cholesterol um total cholesterol went down like 21 points they dropped like six or seven pounds uh, their collective uh, blood pressure went down in seven days. You know, this isn't like it, your body, your body just wants to heal. That's the cool thing. If you give it the right fuel, you know, it's just like Lewis Hamilton, who's, um, you know, the number one Formula One driver in the world right now. Um, I don't know if he's over, overtaken the other ones, but like one of the best, you know, drivers in the world, you know, he told that he's a vegan now. And, you know, it's actually a lot of work driving a, a car that's going, you know, pulling all those G's, like five or six G's, I believe. It's like five or six times your body weight that you're holding off of every turn, right? So it's a lot, people don't realize it, but it's it's a physical endurance race to drive a Formula One. Not only have to have mental sharpness, but he feels this gives, gives him an edge, you know, over all the other drivers who are probably eating meat. Oh. Hey, Lewis, I'm Seriously. sorry. Listen, listen, Lewis, I'm sorry. Cool, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Look, here's the deal. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity for me, man. All right? Just, you already won, man. Just I say something for other people. Say some, some stuff for other no, people. We'll listen, on, let's go. You Stop black, working. I'm black, and nobody gonna know the difference. I got Bro, it. I got a race. No, I got it. I'm sorry. I'm Dude. sorry, Lewis. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You better win, man. You better win. Win up. He says it's just it's about like having the right fuel in the tank. It's such yeah. a simple analogy, right? You know, number one race car driver in the world, he's not going to put crappy fuel in his tank and try to be high performance. You know, we're we're designed to be primarily plant eaters. Yeah, you can eat, you know, you can eat loads of stuff that's bad for you. But you know, if you look at our chompers, you look at our digestive system, everything that's done, we it, mat it matches the you know the, the body mechanics of a of a gorilla more than it does a lion right so you know we should be eating more like a, a gorilla and less like a, a lion we're not lions no definitely not and um so other than that also that food series that you're working on um you mentioned a few other documentaries but any any that you want to expand a little bit more on yeah well um you know, we at the end of Racing Extinction, we did these projection events. Um, remember, this was like six years ago. We projected endangered species on the on the Empire State Building, 
And we did that um, to alert the world, kind of like a, you know, the, the bat signal, you know, that, you know, <laughs> yeah. when, you, when you put a, uh, an endangered species, let's say a 60 story tall, you know, golden lion tamarind on the, on the Empire State Building, it, there's, there's a resonance that happens there. Like, you know, this was important. One of the, the greatest symbols of human achievement at the time and, you know, capitalism, and you put up an animal against it, it says, this is important too. Yeah, yeah. We, we did, By the we way, I, I liked it when you had uh, King Kong climbing up as well. <laughs> we, that was that was a bit of an easter egg we wanted to make a, a reference to to that yeah um that was all trammel threlkel you know there are uh, the guy who made it all happen you know this is a creative genius um so we i think you know we we were told by our our uh distributor that oh because we already did projections on the united nations were which were pretty phenomenal it was they got a you know hundreds of thousands of media views, but we thought the Empire State Building, there's something special about that. And our distributor and the producer said, well, you know, in August in New York, the media won't show up because they can't afford to pay the overtime on a Saturday night because it gets uh, uh, dark late in the summer. And in, this, and in August in New York, all the important people are going to be over in the Hamptons, it'll be over in Europe. So it'll be a non-event. We did it anyway. You know, I mortgaged my home to help pay for those projections. We had a lot of help. But those are those were expensive, over a million dollars. But you know, it was important to me that we, you know, not just use it for the end of the film, but we 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 get serious to try to like not just make a film but start a movement. We I think we had nine hundred thirty nine million media views by Thursday. So within five days, we were, it was the top trending story on Facebook and Twitter for four days worldwide. And we thought we couldn't get any more attention to the subject than that. And then the Pope called. The Pope wanted to, us to project images uh, of endangered species on the Vatican. Now, remember, Pope Francis is named after St. Francis of Assisi, the patron saint of animals. Mm. So he wanted to remind world leaders at, while they were at Cobb in Paris, um, you know, deciding on, you know, the, um, the limits for carbon dioxide not more was at stake than just humans. And I think we had 4.4 billion media views in that. We had 600 media there, 225,000 people, you know, at the Vatican looking at this live. And now I think, you know, uh, I know that there's laws that were passed because of the projections that prevent some of the most endangered species from entering U.S. ports. And I know uh, the climate movie was inspired by some of the people, the young people in that, in that uh, you know, by that film. So, you know, films are, you know, really important to help shape, you know, our consciousness. Now, the UN has asked us to do a three-day event in advance of the COP26. And this is like using the east side of the building. So facing proud on the East River with the whole New York skyline in the background. So we have it for three days. So oh, wow. we'll, okay. we'll, we'll, we'll be talking about the virtues of a plant-based diet. We'll be talking about... Um, solutions to plastic pollution. We'll be using that, um, that you know, one of the biggest canvases in the world, you know, to, to basically give solutions to um, the climate crisis that we're facing right now. So yeah. we're, I'm, 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 you know, that, that's the next call I have after this. I'm just mad about doing that. We're looking for funding for it. That's always the biggest heart, part of our you know, we have these great ideas, you know, we, we know, we know we can reach billions of people. 
uh, say billions of media views that translates to hundreds of millions of people. Now we can do it with solutions. When we did the Vatican in the Empire State Building, they, would have, they wouldn't allow us to use words or messages or even music at the Vatican. Uh, so we had to use like animal songs. It was still very powerful, but now we can do messaging. We can use QR codes so we can be in touch with people. We can, you know, um, so if anybody wants to help out, you know, go to our organization, you know, a little bit of pitch for that, but like, listen, we're trying to change the world, right? It's like, you know, we're at the Oceanic Preservation Society. You can find us at opsociety.org. Um, you know, I, I, I just feel like this is the one way that I know that we can communicate with the world you know, at scale. Because like we know that there's solutions out there, but you know, because we're working with the UN, we're going to be working with the, the same translators that they use for the UN, UN Security Council meetings. So you'll be able to go on to you know, see it live stream. You'll be able to click on Russian or Chinese or you know, Spanish or you know, the, the UN languages and hear people from around the globe coming together to talk about, you know, plant-based diet to talk about solutions to the the plastic problem etc cetera, etc cetera, in you know trying to and these are all hopeful things you know that you can make plastics out of anything right it doesn't have to be fossil fuels anything organic you make it out of algae you know there's i have algae straws here that are great you know if you, if you need to use a straw um those so the solutions are upgrades and you know that's what i'm excited by is that you know we can you know we i think we found a way with the projections to speak to the world positively about the changes that we need to make at the in the time frame that we need to make it you know the, the secretary general says we have 10 years to reverse what's going on and i believe them you know you look at the data we can't afford a two degree centigrade wet world it's a it's severely degraded by you know for future generations we we, we shouldn't do that this is talking to a, a friend of mine yesterday in germany he said that germany just last week passed a law that young people can sue the government that they're passing laws that are detrimental to uh, to future generations. Wow, that's true. That's, that's really true. so. So it's almost like future generations and nature now has a seat at the table of government, which is you know how it should be. So because these externalities that Adam Smith was talking about weren't factored in. Now that the the next generation is saying we care about this stuff, we care about the environment, we care about you know animals being you know needlessly you know, sacrifice for, for meals. We care about, you know, electrifying our, our transportation system and getting onto smart grids. They you know we, we, they care about this stuff and they'll be voting with their dollars and their pounds and their you know, other denominations, their Bitcoins. It's a new world coming for sure. Sure. And yeah, so I just want to say, uh, really appreciate the work that you're putting in to, for this really important topic for everybody. And we definitely need to stop uh, humans being the asteroid to destroy our own planet at the moment. Um, and um, yeah, really appreciate it. And, and if anyone's watching and wants to contribute towards uh, the, the the projection uh, for the UN building, then I'll, I'll put the link up on, on, the, on the notes as well. But uh, thank, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Good seeing you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye.